Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his attempt to reach sinners of all intellects and educational levels, gave illustrations that were simple enough for even children to understand. One example is when he refers to himself as a door, an entranceway, if you will, into heaven. But please notice that he goes further than to call himself a door, he calls himself the door. That is very specific and very limiting, isn't it? Yes, Christ says that the demands of a holy and offended God will accept only one way. Many people don't like this. They prefer to think of many ways to find God. One way, Christ, is too narrow for them. The wonder is not that there is only one way to God, but that there is a way at all. None of us deserves a place in heaven. In fact, the Bible says, We are all lost to God, and it is God's grace that has provided us a remedy for sin in the first place. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Brody Thibodeau simply explains the concept of a door to heaven and repeats the Lord's entreaty for individuals to enter in. John chapter 10, we'll read verse 9. As we listen to the words the Lord Jesus says, when he says, I am the door, by or through me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. That's all we'll read. John's gospel is full of wonderful things. John's gospel, really, in contrast to the other three gospels, is the one where the Lord Jesus deals mostly with individuals. You will find him dealing with multitudes in the gospel of Matthew and Mark, and you will find a lot of pairs or couples of people in the Gospel of Luke. But in John's Gospel, the Lord Jesus deals specifically with individuals. He deals with an individual in John chapter 3, a man who lacks something, a man who had religion, a man who had a lot of things, but he never ever had a real experience where he had put his trust in God. He lacked an experience that the Lord Jesus called being born again. And he came into contact with the Lord Jesus, the only man who could give him what he needed, and he found what he needed. See, and he was never the same again. Follow him through the gospel. In chapter 4, you will find a woman. A woman who needs something that nobody else could give her. If you were to look at the context, if we had an opportunity, you would find that this woman needed satisfaction. There were all kinds of things that she had tried, and there were all kinds of disappointments that she had had. She had tried things out in the world that left her feeling empty. She had tried different relationships. She had had five husbands, and she had another that wasn't her husband, and all of these different relationships 
always left her unsatisfied and empty until one day she comes to see and meet the Lord Jesus Christ and she was never the same again. Why? Because he gave her exactly what she needed. At the end of that same chapter, chapter 4, we find a man whose son is dying. And this man, he needs something that nobody else could give him. He had totally lost hope, lost hope. And if the woman at the beginning of chapter 4 received satisfaction from the only one who could give it, the man at the end of chapter 4 receives hope that nobody else could give. And every one of these things that we see in John's gospel only reminds us of the power and the ability that God has to meet the need of every single individual. Perhaps, perhaps there is someone here tonight who is religious, but has never, ever had a time when they were born again. If you were to come to Christ tonight, you could get that. I'll tell you something that's more common than that in meetings that I've had and in just meeting people, getting to know them, is that so many people are trying to find satisfaction in things that always leave us empty. I want you to think about that with me for a second. You're going to be honest now, and you're going to think. We try and find satisfaction in entertainment, but that only lasts while we're being entertained. We try to find satisfaction perhaps in alcohol, and I remember times when I would drink before I was saved and, and I would have a great time, but it only lasted for a short time. And see, there was nothing there that could satisfy. And one drink was never enough. And there are those who try to find satisfaction in drugs, always thinking that this is exactly what I need to forget my problems, to get over my life issues. I just need another fix or another hit or another toke, whatever only to always be left wanting more. And yet there's a Savior who is willing to give you something that will satisfy that real longing in your heart for something that is real, something that is lasting, something that is eternal. And I am so happy that when I get up on a platform like this and I open up this book, I am able to present a person that is not only going to make your life better here on earth, but he is going to give you something that will last for all eternity. And he will. And I love to be able to stand on a platform like this and address an audience and know this. While you might look out at this world and see that there is no hope, there is no hope for this life and there is no hope for eternity. I am preaching based on the solid foundation of the word of God that there is a man who gives hope. He does. Chapter 5, there's a man who has no power and he comes to know the man who can give him power. Chapter 9, as Brandon was reading there, I was thinking about him. The man who has no sight and he comes to know the man who can give him sight. Chapter 8, the woman who needs forgiveness, forgiveness. Because of the sins she had committed, she needed someone who could give her forgiveness. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on this one. Turn with me to John chapter 8, please. In John chapter 8, verse 3, we read the setting for what's going to take place. The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. 
Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Now they were tempting him. So we come down to verse number 10. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This is one of the more moving passages in all the scriptures for a gospel preacher. Here comes a woman, and she couldn't say that she wasn't a sinner. She was caught in the very act of adultery. She's brought by these men who are cruel and hard men. They read their Bible, but they knew nothing about grace, and they brought her and they threw her down in the middle of all of these people. And all of these people now are looking at her, and they're staring at her, and they're, they're perhaps even pointing at her and wondering what is ever going to happen to this woman. She deserves to be stoned, but what is going to happen to her? And none of those people cared. You have to get that if you're going to get really what the Lord Jesus is doing here. These people didn't care about where she came from. These people didn't care about who she was related to. These people didn't care if she had a family. These people didn't care if she had children. These people just did not care. The Lord Jesus, when he is face to face with this woman, you know what she found that day? She found someone who cared. Someone who cared like nobody else cared. And when she was expecting a man to point the finger and say, you deserve punishment, she found a man who was willing to extend his hand and say, I am willing to forgive you. Willing to forgive. She found forgiveness that day. You know, I take courage in that because everyone in our meeting needs forgiveness. But if you think about it, there's one man who can do it. You find this in John's gospel. That's why I say it's so full. But in John's gospel, chapter 10, we read very simple words from the Lord Jesus himself. He said, I am the door. I am the door. Now, sometimes I do Sunday school or children's meetings, and this is a popular verse for me to speak from because it's very simple, isn't it? When you talk about a door, I sometimes ask the young children if they know what a door is. And everybody, you know, sometimes they raise their hand, but they can tell me very easily what a door is. They might even point to a door in this room. Sometimes they think that the door is really the hard thing that hangs on the hinges. But when the Bible speaks of a door, it is speaking of the opening, the opening where you leave one room and go into another, where you exit one place and go into another place. And the Lord Jesus is simply saying, I am the door. I am the door. But the significance of this statement is not only found in these four words, it's in the last word I want to point you to. It says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Sometimes we forget that it's a word that we're not all familiar with. And I want you to just follow me for a second as we see the simplicity of the concept of being saved. It was two winters ago when I was in Labrador, that's Newfoundland and Labrador, way up in the north on the Atlantic Ocean, 
friend of mine came and he wanted to show me a video. It was a video of a rescue that had happened just that day. Off the coast of Newfoundland, there was a, a large long liner, sometimes they call them, and it was out there quite a ways, and it had run into some trouble. When it ran into problems, it began to take on water, the men realized right away they're not going to be able to, to keep this boat afloat. So they made a call. They made a call on the radio for help. They knew in the Atlantic Ocean, they had only minutes to live if they were going to be overboard. It's that cold. They realized that there is danger here that they need to be removed from. That's the concept, okay? They need to be removed from this danger. They need somebody with the ability and the desire to come right to where they are and move them from the Atlantic Ocean and take them to a place of safety. And it just so happens that there are men who are especially trained to do that, some women and men. And they had a helicopter. And these men, if, if you were to watch them in training, they live for this. They want to do this. They are sitting there in St. John's, Newfoundland, just chomping at the bit for an opportunity to help. They're in the helicopter now. And they come right to where those men were, not just hovering over, but they sent a man down the cable right to the boat. And one by one, each one of those people was removed from the danger and brought to safety. And they got, I think there was five men in that boat. One, two, three, four, five men removed from danger. And if we were to read the article on the, the website the next day, it might say five men rescued from the Atlantic, right? And we would know what that meant. They were in danger, but someone took them to a place of safety. Or it might read this, five men saved. Five men saved from drowning. Means the very same thing, doesn't it? It could be that there's a house fire. And someone is upstairs and they're unable to get out by themselves. But the fireman comes and he has the ability and he has the desire to go right to where they are and remove them from the danger and put them in a place of safety. And we would say they were rescued from fire or they were saved from the fire. Well, let's make no mistake. When we are preaching the gospel about being saved, it is exactly the same concept in a different setting. We are not tonight preaching about being rescued from drowning, nor are we preaching about being rescued from a house fire, but we are preaching a rescue. We are preaching that there is danger. The danger is eternal death. The danger is that you remain in your sins. And if you remain in your sins and you die in your sins, the Lord Jesus says, where I am, ye cannot come. So you need to be rescued from your sin and from the consequences of your sin. And it just so happens that we know a man who is ready, willing, and able to do it. A man who came right to where we are when he went to the cross. A man who went to the lowest place that a man could go so that he could satisfy God on behalf of sin. A man who was buried and is now risen again from the dead and is at the right hand of God. A real living Savior 
who is willing and ready to remove you from this place of danger and put you in a place of absolute eternal security, safety. But you will have to call. You'll have to call for him. Only one person can save. Only one. You think about the Lord Jesus when he's there in the upper room with his disciples and Thomas says, Master, we know not whither thou goest. We know not where you're going. How can we know the way? The Lord was going to heaven. And Thomas says, we don't know the way to heaven. And the Lord Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to show you the way. Now I'm going to write you a map. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say, I'm going to tell you the church you should go to or the baptism that you should undergo or the ritual or the communion you should take. He doesn't say any of that. He says very simply but plainly, I am the way, the truth and the life. He uses that article there because he is saying not I am a way, but I am the way to heaven. No man comes to the Father but by me. And this is another one of those statements. Not I am a door to safety, but I am the door to safety. There is no other way. There is no other hope, there is no other savior, and there is no other door. But he says, I am the door. I was chatting with a lady on an airplane a couple of years ago. I recognized her right away. She's a lady that we had bought a car from that summer. And I remember I'd given her gospel tracts during that time. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder if I could get a conversation in with her. I got up to the desk and the lady told me that my seat had been changed on the plane. And I said, oh, yes, probably not the window seat I wanted. No, here it is. So I got in the plane, and lo and behold, who was I sitting beside but this lady? There she was. And I said, do you remember me? And she says, yeah, I think I do. And I told her about the, the car, and I told her about the gospel papers. I said, did you get a chance to read those? She said, yeah, I did. But then she started to tell me all about her religious beliefs. Now, uh, we need to be careful because some people do get their religious beliefs from their parents. Some people get their religious beliefs from a church, some from the Bible. But she seems to be one who gets what she knows off of YouTube. And a lot of what she was telling me seemed to me to be pretty far-fetched. But it was my responsibility to listen respectfully because we respect people, don't we? And we want them to feel comfortable. So I let her say that. And then I started to go over some scriptures. And as I was going over some scriptures, I came across this one. I am the door. And I started to talk about only one way to heaven. She said, oh, no, 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 no. I can't believe that a loving, caring God would tell us that there's only one way to heaven. I said, now, hold on just a second. You're looking at it backwards. You're looking at it as if it's wide open and full of possibilities, and God has thrown out all of those other options and narrowed it down to one. But in reality, what's really happening is that there was no way to heaven. There was absolutely no way to the Father. There was absolutely no opening to enter into safety. And God, in his grace and love and mercy, saw fit to give us a way to the Father. I'd like to say she got saved, but at least 
we get to talk about this. You see, it's only God's mercy that there's a door to heaven. And that door is a person. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. If there's a message tonight for sinners from God to people who want to be saved, it is this. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. There was a man, his stage name was Blondin. And back in the early 1900s, Mr. Blondin was an entertainer. He wasn't the kind of entertainer who played music. He was the kind of entertainer who risked his life by walking on tight ropes. He would do it in big cities like New York, where he would get a lot of people to watch him. He would do tricks and, and different stunts that would cause people to be amazed. And he announced that he was going to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever seen Niagara Falls. It is quite daunting, even if you're just standing beside it, let alone going to walk over top of it on a rope about that big. But he got there, and they set up the tightrope, and he had people on both sides, the Canadian side, the American side. They were watching, but they'd come to see whether or not he could do it. And he got out on that tightrope and he walked across to one side to cheers from all the people. And he walked across to the other side and they were cheering again on the other side. They had seen him do it. He actually went out there with a little stove and a pan and two eggs and he fried eggs on a tightrope over top of Niagara Falls. That's pretty impressive, wasn't it? He was doing this stunt on a certain day where he took a wheelbarrow and he filled it full of rocks. And he went right across that tightrope, just without even missing a step, all the way across, and then all the way back. And the fans were cheering, and they, they, were, they were quite impressed. Then he said, who in this crowd thinks that I could take a man across there in this wheelbarrow? Everybody started to cheer. Everybody said, we know you can do it. We believe you can do it. Then he takes his wheelbarrow, and he dumps it out. And he looks at the crowd again. And he said, well, get in. Nobody moved a muscle. You see, they knew he could walk on a tightrope. They believed he had the ability to get rocks across. They believed he had the ability to take a man across. But they were not willing to put their lives in the hands of this man. They were not willing to get in. You know what that meant? They believed all about him, but they didn't trust him. He didn't trust him. And I may be speaking to people tonight, and you know all about the door. You know that Christ is the only way to heaven. You know that he saved other people. You see people, and you know that there's a reality in their life that is undeniable, and it cannot be argued, but still you have never personally entered in. The Lord Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And in the words of that scripture tonight, I tell you this, enter in. So my friend, have you entered through the door that God has provided? Have you trusted the person and work of Christ on your behalf? Can you say that he suffered and died for your sins? we hope you can. If not, make no further delay to settle this great issue of your soul's salvation today, here and now, once and for all, and enter into the joy of knowing your sins forgiven and a home in heaven for sure. 
If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.